we better cool? Yeah. Dude, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Beautifying this. Is yeah, I got you. I know, right? Welcome to Season 3 of On Your Radar. I'm your host, Tom Farley. On Your Radar is an in-depth series exploring the latest issues surrounding mental health and substance use topics. Brought to you by Rose Krantz, a leading provider of behavioral health services in Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Uh, this is uh, my first episode. I'm very excited about that and uh, very excited about my very first guest. Uh, like to welcome Dylan Truskin. Dylan uh, will share her family's story of navigating addiction and how becoming a TikTok creator helped with connection and healing. How you doing, Dylan? I'm wonderful. How are you? Fantastic. This is going to be fun. Um, really uh, uh, excited to have you because you're a storyteller, and uh, that's kind of what I am too. So I understand, um, you know, the healing uh, capacity of being able to tell our story. So why don't you start us off? I mean, it's really more of a journey, but, you know, tell us, you know, get us started with um, way back when you know, what was the, what was your, what was your life? What was your world like? Uh, you know, when, when you kind of launched yourself into this healing journey? Yeah. Um, I mean, I started making TikToks, um, in 2020. Um, and that was at the height of my mom's addiction, which was pretty interesting because it was, you know, I was navigating how to cope in my personal life, but also using my platform to cope as well um, and help other people on the internet, which I'm so grateful I have that outlet. Um, but yeah, it started in 2020 and my mom had started using when I was in like middle school. I, I still don't know the timeline. It's a little, um, you know, rocky for me, but um once I got into high school, um, our relationship kind of fell out, uh, and I really had just my father and my grandmother and my dad and I don't really have a great relationship. So I relied on my grandma and my friends and then TikTok happened and I started making money and, uh, I ended up saving up enough to move to New York and, left California to try to heal after all those traumatizing years. Yeah. That's yeah. my story basically. So tell me this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, now let's dig a little deeper. So did your, you mentioned your father first, uh, was that the first yeah. person kind of in your orbit that you saw had, you know, uh, uh, an issue with, with, uh, drinking or substances. Did it start there? Yeah, definitely. Um, my mom, when, when they first started dating, I think it was already an issue. Uh, but you know, my mom was young. She was 22 when I was born and 21 when she got married. So there were other priorities, I guess. And once I was four and my brother was two, my mom left my dad because the drinking got so bad and he had to change his life and get clean and stay sober so that he could have me and my brother 
in his life. Um, I, I do also think it's really interesting though, because my mom and my dad are so different the way that they speak about their addiction and the way that they use it for good. My mom is constantly fighting for other addicts to get better. But my dad seems to come from this place of like, I'm better than you because I've been clean for almost, I want to say 17 years. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that certainly uh, has that, as you mentioned, um, you know, you said that it was a strain on that relationship with your father. So you know, naturally your, 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 you know, core support was, was your mom. And then she, uh, develop some issues and now you've got two both parents that are struggling in a time of your life when it, it's hard anyway so oh, now yeah. let's go back to your mom um t- tell me about you know her her struggles and her and uh um at that period in your life yeah yeah um she had gotten remarried to my stepdad when i was in elementary school and rebuilt her life and started a new family. My mom and my stepdad ended up having another kid. His name is Enzo. So I have two brothers. um, And it was looking back at that period of my life, I felt so safe and loved in that house with my mom and my stepdad. But then on the other hand, at the same time, I felt so isolated and lost at my father's house. So as time went on and my mom started using, I, she was pulling away from my family and it got to the point where I think that she had just lost herself and didn't know what she wanted and ended up, you know, finding some outlet with some friends of hers and got addicted to Crystal and... Um, I think that journey of her getting clean taught me a lot, of course, but she is such a a powerhouse and such a strong woman because of the things that she went through. And of course, people say that all the time that trauma builds you up and makes you stronger, which is obviously very frustrating and annoying, but she's, yeah, probably the most amazing woman I've ever met. I can just imagine just the range of emotions that you went through during that time frame, yeah. as we all do. We we hit them all, you know. Uh, we're we're we're, you know, isolation aside, we're 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 mad, we're stressed, we're you know concerned, we're fearful, all all, and it's just hitting you all at the same time. Um, how did yeah. you how did you manage all those you know, all those uh, emotions hitting you? At the same time, I think for the majority of like my high school years when it was really bad and, uh, you know, I was just at my dad's and my mom and I were kind of estranged. Um, I had dance, which was really important. And I think that helped me release a lot of the physical trauma that I had like built up in my body. Um, yeah. So all throughout (laughs) high school, up until I graduated, I had dance, but then obviously once I graduated high school and I wasn't dancing anymore, I had TikTok and I was able to 
um, tell my stories uh, in a comedic way to bring light to the situation and also, I don't know, maybe help other people that are suffering with similar issues and, I, you know, comedy heals. I'm, I know that you feel the same way. Um, <laughs> but Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I could only... Yeah, I could only get through it with laughter and with really good friends and dancing. So, well, let me let let's let's dig. I, I love that because I, I I what I knew do know your story is that you know you've got both parents that are that are uh, you know either struggling uh, with their own issues and just your relationship with them has changed. So, mm-hmm. who did you turn to? Like, what? Who got you through uh, that time frame? You know. You know, it wasn't um, your parents. My grandma, my Great. yeah, my friends. My friends were yeah. probably the most important people in my life at the time. Cause when you have a good circle around you that can support you and cushion you and give you a shoulder to cry on and give you the advice that you might not need at the time, like telling me maybe you shouldn't talk to your mom anymore. Because clearly the conversations that you're having with her are really affecting the way that you're able to function as a human being. So having a conversation with one of my closest friends in high school got me to to stop answering my mom's phone calls, to to build that boundary so that I could Um, continue going to school and caring about my academics and also growing up. I was like 14. So there were a lot of things that I had to focus on. But yeah, my friends were the most important well, people I, in my life, for sure. Yeah, what my brothers taught me about, you know, the word I use, uh, that my all my brothers who are actors and comedians, uh, that's your ensemble. And uh, they use it to deliver comedy, their ensemble. But I see it as a healing, you know, this is your, these are the people that you trust and accept you. And there is just no better healing than you, you can't do it alone. You can't heal in isolation. So that ensemble is so critical. And that's exactly Absolutely. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think also throughout the period where I was living in New York, um, I when I was trying to heal that distance that I had, it, it almost created this like gap it, or a hole in my heart. And I over those two years where I was living out there and I felt like leaving would have been the best thing for me, although it definitely was, I found that conversations, talking, and being honest with each other, like my family specifically, was the most important part of healing my relationship with my mom specifically, for sure. Well, before we get into your amazing TikTok uh, um, journey, adventure, if you will, uh, <laughs> let me just finish up there and just uh, how is your mom? Uh, is she is she uh, is she better? And not just her personally, but how is your relationship? Talk, talk to, just briefly about that. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's been two years sober. Um, we are probably more close than we ever were. Um, she's like my best friend. I think that the drugs definitely kind of made her brain a little bit younger. So she definitely acts more like a teenager than, than my mom, but I am just grateful that she's back in my life. And 
she is wise beyond her years because of all the things that she's been through. So she can give me lots of great advice for many of the small issues that I'm going through in comparison to what she was experiencing. Oh, that's gotta, that's gotta feel wonderful to have that back in your life, uh, to be able to, to talk about those things. So let's go to TikTok. You know, how, how did that start? You know, I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've looked at, it's an amazing now social media is, is amazing. It's given us this, this timeline of memory. You can see people heal, along the way and see their stories change. Mm-hmm. And that's so wonderful to be able to go back and reflect. So I'm asking you now, like, so, so start us off that journey. What were you like at that time? What were you feeling and, and how did that change? And where are you today? When I first was making TikToks, I was living at my dad's. Um, it was during COVID and things were really weird in the world. So I was just posting random videos. It was nothing serious. And then all of a sudden, one of my videos got like millions of likes. And I think accumulated now, if you were to look back at it, it probably has like 35 million views, which is an unfathomable number I can't even think about. But uh, that started it all. And that was March of 2020, right when COVID hit. And then my videos were mainly just like family stuff and funny things. And then I started gaining followers and I had this passion for politics and which sounds weird because it's a messy (laughs) arena, but uh, I wanted to go to school for political science. And at the time during 2020 in during the summer, it was real heated over here in, in the States. So I was making a lot of political content on my TikTok and then I got kicked out of my dad's house in June of 2020 because we were getting in fights every day about what whatever it was, the president, you know, George Floyd, uh, coffee, dishes. And I ended up getting kicked out. And then I started living at my grandma's. And then I started making videos about my relationship with my dad. And that changed everything because I had really? to get over that boundary yeah. that like mental barrier that I had in my brain. I I felt like the entire world would make me feel even smaller than my dad made me feel, but it was the exact opposite. I felt so validated by the internet, people with similar stories and experiences, and it changed everything. And after that first video that I had posted of me telling a story of like what it was like growing up with my dad as my dad, I got comfortable and I started posting more stories. And I think that's what got people um, interested in in my videos in a way, which I'm so grateful for because I, I love telling stories and I love talking about my life <laughs> kind yeah, of conceited. It's but healing um, is so great. And and if you have a yeah, uh, absolutely you know if it's authentic and real, people respond to it. I was gonna ask you, you know, um I think you just answered it, but like, you know, you've got just as we all do, so many traumas that you can pick and choose from. Uh, how do you start? You know, where where do you start? I think you started with just one relationship and go there. But, uh, you know, has it have you been able to kind of one by one kind of chip away at some of these all these other traumas? And um, yeah, I think it's definitely um, a slow journey 
I don't yeah. want to air out my whole family life on the internet all in, you know, one day. Uh, but those stories got easier and easier to tell and also scarier to tell. The, the, the stories of my dad were so, I felt so comfortable, honestly, telling the internet because I felt I was so afraid of him and I just wanted someone else to feel afraid of him as well. And once I got that and I knew yeah. that other people had similar fathers and I was just validated and told, yeah, that's not normal. I got the courage to start talking about my mom's addiction and the fact that my baby sister got put in foster care and mm -hmm other random stories like the stories behind my tattoos and what the meaning behind all of those are and all of these little journeys that I've been on in my life I I definitely it, it had to be a slow build to make myself comfortable for sure so social media can be a very toxic place sure. uh you just look at any pick any you know uh, post and read the comments and it's just, just it's it's some really heavy stuff uh, um i i suspect you know what keeps you going and, and motivates you is the fact that you didn't experience that you actually experienced just the opposite i think you said uh which was had be a an amazing uh um affirmation yeah the reception you. was really positive and i think that if it had been negative, I would have yeah. left the internet. Like I probably wouldn't have posted those videos anymore and I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have the platform that I have. So honestly, I'm pretty grateful to those strangers that validated my feelings. And it is really scary on the yeah. internet because people can hide behind a profile and spew hate and I know that it's typically coming from a place of insecurity. So I try not to take it to heart. So so it can it can heal. It can be a connection. I think what's important is that you did have before that a very strong, as I and I'll say it again, ensemble that allowed you to know where to feel trusted and accepted to make that step into this world of TikTok and find that it's there you can find connection and healing there too that's totally I, that's incredible absolutely yeah, yeah i have some yeah. friends from tiktok that i've known now for like two years that have gone on similar journeys as me and i just think it's very inspiring and i oh, adore right. all of them yeah tell me what do you say to other young people who may have a parent or loved one struggling with substance abuse you know what from your story um do you think will be helpful i think you have to give yourself grace during periods that are so trying and hard and scary uh especially when you know you're supposed to be able to confide in a parent but rather you see them pulling away from you or whatever the circumstances may be as human beings, I think I have realized this over the past month, 
since I've moved back to LA, emotions and the feelings that we have are so beautiful and so unique. And I feel it's a disservice to us as beings to try and suppress those feelings. So feel what you're feeling and cry and be angry and be honest. Also, being honest with your friends and your family members is so, so important and make boundaries and, you know, keep yourself sane and whatever it is that you may have to do, cutting off relatives and making new friends and whatever it may be. Keep yourself stable and strong so that once the time comes where you can rebuild that relationship with your family member, you are in the right headspace. That's what I would say. You know, and in healing, healing a relationship is, is hard because we we want it to be a two way street, and sometimes um, it isn't. And so, but you still have to, you know, you can still, you can still take care of your side of the street. And so, where do you go from here? I mean, now I'm just trying to, I don't know, find peace in my relationship with my dad. And now that I'm back in LA, I can be closer to my mom and my whole family, which is lovely. And I feel so, I'm a much different person. I am not the same little girl that I was when I first moved to New York. I'm much more secure in who I am. And I'm not afraid to tell the people that are in my life how I feel. And I think that's really important. Um, but yeah, from here, uh, hoping that the SAG strike ends soon so that I can start auditioning for stuff. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Well, we chip. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Cause I got a son out in LA acting too, or not acting, uh, at the, at the moment. But, um, uh, so yeah, I, th- I just think this is going to be interesting to watch going forward. So how can, how can people find you? you uh on tiktok and social media i'm on tiktok and instagram as just my name which is dylan truskin d-y-l-a-n-t-r-o-e-s-k-e-n um yeah that's it totally enjoyed uh this conversation uh i just you know i love you know when you can tell your story as 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 hard as it is, and that the journey has been rocky and trauma, but here you are with this great smile, uh, uh, amazing uh, people that uh, that have helped along the way, and, and you know you made my first episode of On Your Radar uh, wonderful. Well, you're very welcome. And yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank this you. Was so fun. You're very wise. Yeah, it very was. wise. Welcome back to On Your Radar. I'd like to welcome Dr. Tom Wright, uh, Chief of Clinical Excellence and President of Medical Affairs at Rosecrans, and Leah Scanlon, the Director of Aspen Counseling, a division of Rosecrans. Good to see you both. Good to see you, Tom. Good to see you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Well, that was Dylan's story was certainly amazing, interesting. I, I loved it all. Uh, and I just, you know, I could feel her. I mean, I could, I could see just this healed human, you know, the smiling, you know, like she was describing 
things, but uh, it was amazing to see where she is now. So let me ask you first question, how, how common is Dylan's story? Is it something you hear regularly from clients at, at Rose Grants and, and, their, and, and their experience with their loved ones? Yeah, I, I think it's a common story. Addiction is a family illness, and certainly there's an hereditary part to it, and there's a sort of a learned nature part to it. So it's not uncommon to have uh, generations of that, you know, with the kids that we see at Rosecrans or even the adults that we see at Rosecrans. I would agree. I, I think on the outpatient side here, uh, especially with the onset of the pandemic, we're seeing more of that, you know, and and it's sort of fractured families that are reaching out for help uh, because, you know, the, the uh, aspects of COVID, like the increased isolation and uh, the, uh, you know, schedules completely turned uh, on on its head and they you know had to do remote learning and so a lot of those variables I think um, just amplified you know maybe what was already going on uh, and uh, you know and definitely kind of ramped up that that dysfunction in a sense what was interesting to me is that <laughs> You know, when I came into this, you know, knowing about Dylan as a TikTok um, uh, influencer, whatever you call it, whatever they're calling themselves, um, uh, I thought, well, okay, um, that's, that's you know, we're using that for a connection. But, but instead, she talked about this foundation that she built before she did this. You know, I thought, like, is that a real connection? But she had... She really made sure that that she talked about this connection he had before that, this ensemble, the the therapist that she had, and that I think that was really important. Uh, I think you know instead of running right to social media, um, I think the balance there. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I think any healthy recovery from substance use, mental health illness, or even just some difficult times in your life, you know, requires the support and the connection to others, and. I, you know, I'm a, a boomer. So, you know, my, how I learned to have connections to others is face to face. I understand. I just raised a child who's 21. You know, I understand. I see kids all the time, but I understand the connection that social media, including TikTok has and how it can be so nurturing for them. And as Tom, as you put it, their ensemble, their family in many ways. So, yeah, I, I, I may not at my age understand it in a way that it works for me, but I can empathize and understand that it works for them. And I see the power of it and really appreciate the power of it. I think, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, touch on that, Tom, you uh, mentioned it's, you know, the, these friends that she sort of turned into family and they were sort of her surrogate family when she needed that and uh, to kind of help fill in the gaps. And yeah, I mean, a lot of these younger generations were seeing, you know, connections that are formed virtually at first and then sort of uh you know, nurtured over time and become, you know, deeper, more meaningful connections. But, you know, I, I think just in the larger sense, these, uh, you know, younger generations that really have this group, this core group of friends that, yeah. that are sort of surrogate family in many ways. So help us, let's jump, you know, let's jump way before that um, this healing started. Uh, help us understand how, how substance use 
affects people and their relationships and their family dynamics. You know, w- w- you know, where was she? You know, what started all this? You know, need to heal. Like, where was she? Where, you know, what ha- what was happening there? Well, you know, I think everybody's story is a little bit different, and and what's happening. I don't think there's a typical one for substance use. I don't think hers was atypical though either. She was a young child who needed her parents and needed her her dad and her mom to be there for him. So, you know, just as we all do to support, to get the physical needs, housing, food, going to school, things like that, as well as the nurturing needs. And uh, preoccupation with substance abuse takes away adults' ability to do that. So she had less and less during a very vital time in her life when she needed most of that, even to the extent of some of the the physical needs that she needed, being taken to school, as she said, or, you know, sort of the other things she might need. So I think it has a little bit different effect on on kids. Dylan, what struck me, you know, just listening to Dylan, and, you know, I've not seen her as a family, I don't know her, but she had sort of a degree of resiliency that uh, seemed a little bit greater than I see in a lot of kids. And so I would also say that a child's reaction to it's going to depend on their individual characteristics too. And Dylan seemed quite resilient and quite forgiving and quite um, quite an old soul, if you know what I mean by that, in terms of how she looked at this. That That definitely resonated with me as well. I think that, you know, there's this sense that, um, you know, there was like a yeah, like, like that old soul that you touched on, Tom. But then also, you know, she was really forced to grow up at such an early age and, you know, be the caretaker for her siblings. Um, but I think that, um, you know, she, it seemed like her insightfulness and just her receptiveness to, uh, you know, entering therapy and to start understanding, you know, why this dynamic existed, how it came to be, and her place in it, you know, what she had ownership of. Um, It really seems like she has an amazing grasp on that. And yeah, that's, you know, not particularly common, I think, for that, that age group. What's amazing to me is what I've learned about Dylan's story is the comments that she's gotten uh, and the followers that she's gotten have, you know, were very, you know, you know, un- untypical of most that we know of social media, which are negative and, mm-hmm. you know, judgmental. This, she's had the exact opposite responses. People are saying, you've helped me, that I've had this situation. So um, how is her resiliency and talking about it helped, helped others? You know, how do, how do we see that? You, you know, when I think of so resiliency, uh, you know, what we know about re- resiliency as a science is some of it's genetic, some of it's learned. I also know that as a psychiatrist, um, we all have different ways of managing difficult conflicts that we have, difficult times, difficult issues. And um, some of those ways of managing them can be what we call, in my field, immature or very mature. Some very mature defense mechanisms or way of managing it are things like humor and empathy. And those are some of the higher and that and if you can laugh at yourself, that's the highest level of, you know, managing it the way I'll do. And it 
seems to me that was what she has a lot of. So she's learned some conflict resolution and some internal means to sort of manage some of that conflict in a very mature uh, level. Um, and humor probably being the most of it. I've looked at some of her TikToks. She's very funny, you know, and she says she even that interview, she said how she managed a lot of that was by laughing and by having fun. I think she gives that to others, too. And that's the yeah. empathic part. So that's mm -hmm. what what they borrow from her uh, to help support themselves. I think demonstrating that level of vulnerability yeah. uh, and, you know, sort of uh, putting that uh, out into the, the ether as it will, as you will, uh, to sort of, um, you know, demonstrate that, that that's okay. Um, and that it's not always going to be a straight shot to healing. You know, it's, it's definitely not a linear journey by any means. And I think she's lived that and shown that in her daily life. And that resonates really, um, really well with people that are, you know, in their own journey. And I know she mentioned that she's got followers of all ages that are uh, leaving positive comments. And that that sort of struck me as well, um, that she's having such, uh, you know, such an impact on, on, you know, generations. And you've got, you know, folks that, that may be older and, um, you know, that maybe tumultuous time in their life is, is in their past, you know, far in their past, but um, it's still, you know, it touches on those feelings and it still, um, you know, sort of brings that back up when they can see her living out, you know, her journey of healing and recovery. Healing and recovery <laughs> exist on the other side of fear, on the other side of stigmas, on the other side of, of all those barriers. And she's amazingly demonstrating that. Uh, that she, you know, made it through all of those barriers um, with the help of, you know, she, you know, her her school counselor apparently was was another uh, very integral part of her her uh, process, uh, yeah, her ensemble. So um, you can't do it alone. You, you you really need help to to get through that. And she's really resourceful as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to have the the presence of mind to reach out you know, to those sort of supports in her life. And, and uh, yeah, like you just mentioned, I mean, the, there's definitely a fear that, uh, you know, nobody's going to listen to me, nobody's going to believe me or take me seriously or try to help me. Um, and, you know, she was, I, I, you know, living proof that, um, you know, kind of crossing to that, that other side uh, and, um, you know, making good use of the resources that she had available. It's a great example to others that are, you know, still in that, you know, in a, in a darker spot. And what, what occurred to me when you said that, Tom, too, was that, you know, I've, I've, I've been in this field 20 years. And so I've treated a lot of kids through Rosecrans during that time. And, um, one of the most important factors that we know for uh, recovery with kids uh, after they leave Rosecrans is their peer group like she developed. Now, she was very wise in choosing a peer group that could support yeah. them in recovery and just only, you know, her resiliency and her her pathway It is the single most difficult thing we do at Rosecrans is trying to help our teens um 
develop a support system that's healthy for them versus not healthy. These are teens. The people that are important to them are other teens. And if their life so far has been that of substance use, those are often the teens. And we have to convince them to give them up. That is a very hard thing for us to ask them to do and a very hard thing for teenagers to do. Adults, as we you know go through it, we see how difficult it is. So uh, I, she chose wisely and uh, and 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 as you know, reap the benefits of that. And I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I think, you know, it starts with, you know, the, this feeling that um, there's how could I heal? No one else is feeling this way. I'm, I'm completely alone in in this experience. And I think what she demonstrated, you know, and, and saw that, um, no, she's not. Uh, there are other people out there. And now other people get to see her and say, I'm not the only one. Well, and that's the story of adolescence sometimes. If you don't feel like you're fitting in, whatever the reason why, it almost feels like you're by yourself and you're alone. And finding out that you're part of a community and not going through something differently is one of the first and best steps for adolescence, yeah. whatever it might be. What can people do if they want to see, see advice? I mean, connection obviously is, but there's at some point we need, you know, we, we need to offer help. What, what, what can they do? Well, I think, you know, in a case like Dylan, you know, she turned to other people she loved, and I think that's fine. And that's what I often tell people to to turn to, you know, if you're a kid like she was and uh, struggling with their family members, turn to someone you can trust. And that might be a teacher, school counselor, a friend, somebody else has been through it, her grandmother, you know, uh, you know, a trusted relative, a pastor, you know, whoever's in your life that might be able to do it. Um, certainly, if there's not someone like that, Rosecrans is... Just call us. You know, we will direct you in the right direction and see what we can do also. Uh, Families Anonymous is another really good connection that there's meetings uh, many places. And you can go to familiesanonymous.com and you can look for a meeting close to you, too. Uh, those would be probably strangers more than likely, but it's a place for support and a place to start. And they won't be strangers for long. And there, yeah, I, yeah, even in the last couple of years, I mean, there's so many virtual options now, um, that are a click away, uh, you know, that we've been able to connect even many of our, uh, clients with that, um, you know, live in, in more, you know, rural area and that they're able to connect with, you know, regular group therapy meetings, um, for children, teens, um, young adults and, uh, and of course, right, there's in-person options as well. Um, but the, you know, virtual piece, we've gotten so much great feedback about that because it really just helps get the ball rolling. Um, and even if there's no lasting connection that comes out of that, uh, I think there's still, you know, like we just discussed, I mean, there's still that realization that, uh, I'm right. I'm not alone in this and that there are people who understand. Um, and sometimes that's enough to sort of help propel you to the next step, uh, and, uh, is enough to encourage you to, to reach out to somebody that, uh, is close to you that maybe you just, uh, not ready to be vulnerable with yet. Uh, and, you know, we found that that can be, that that's been really helpful. As therapists, we can encourage the family to start looking for those natural supports. And there's yeah. tons of them out there. Um, and 
as Leah pointed out, and I forget, there's all the virtual ones and Dylan's a demonstration yeah. of that, you know, and there's virtual meetings of all, there's virtual AA meetings, family anonymous meetings, there's virtual anything. So you're never far away from a connection. <laughs> if you've got Wi-Fi, a computer, a microphone and a camera, you're never far away from a connection like that. And I know we touched on a little bit ago, uh, the access and, and, uh, you know, the action that Dylan took with reaching out to her school counselor, you know, many of the referrals that we get for uh, kiddos, for adolescents come from schools um, here in our regional area. And so um, that's a really great pathway to at least facilitate some type of communication between the school counselor um, that can get in touch with a group like Rosecrans or Aspen and make a counseling referral um, and a, a great way to just begin, you know, to have that uh, supportive, um, you know, supportive relationship is to just establish with an individual counselor if it's possible, because uh, from there, you know, all of our uh, therapists here and, and clinicians and therapists at Rosecrans are very knowledgeable about, uh, you know, other resources sort of beyond and higher levels of treatment and, um, and sort of, sort of like bridging that, that family, uh, starting to heal the family dynamic. You know, I haven't seen all of Dylan's TikToks, but I, I assume that early on, it was a lot of talking about her story and her traumas, but now she's gotten through that. And now what we're just seeing is this continual healing, but it's, it's just this, you know, a lot of songs and dancing and it's, and using her humor. And it's, and it's just wonderful to see what, what really she's showing is that it, it never, it never stops the, the, the connection. What she's really doing is constantly uh, trying to connect and, and, and heal. And that's, that's an, a life journey. I think what you what you bring up, Tom, and I know it's going to sound a little cheesy here. So at the beginning of addiction or or family addiction, even if you're not the one that is addicted, beginning of the process, you pay a lot of attention to that. It's all about that. And then what the beautiful thing that happens, and you could see in the progression of Dylan's TikToks, is then all of a sudden the other pieces come out. You don't have to talk blatantly about the addiction yeah. or that or the troubles mm -hmm. with that. The other things come out. And you know what? Um, and this is the cheesy part. You know what? Uh, Rosecrans's tagline is life's waiting. So for Dylan, life's there now. Now she's living yeah. her life. It doesn't have to be reflected or in addiction at all. It's in the joy she has by dancing, making comedy, acting, things like that. So that's that's her life now. And that's what we're that's what uh, Rosecrans, we we try to get people to. And seeking out new experiences. I mean, yeah, her her social media is it's just sort of a. Um, conglomeration of all of these, you know, cool things that she's uh, photographing and, you know, t taking videos and just trying to experience life, you know, the highs and lows of life uh, and sort of rolling with that and uh, knowing that, that that support system has her back and that, uh, you know, whatever comes her way, she, uh, going back to the resiliency, you know, she has some uh, groundwork laid and she has so you know sort of those building blocks in place if um if she needed to you know if she needed to reach out again i want to thank you both this was phenomenal what a great uh 
story Dylan brings us, your take on it uh, is, is beautiful. I, I just think there's there's more Dylans out there than, and uh, I can't wait to, 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 you know, that we, hopefully we can see them all. I guess I got to go on TikTok to do that, but uh, hopefully they'll come <laughs> to us too. <laughs> any last, uh, any last comments? Uh, Tom, I think you'd be very successful on TikTok too. Find your, find your voice <laughs> don't, there. Don't plant that seed, my head. <laughs> don't even do. I'm calling your daughters. <laughs> I'm a millennial, and I'm not on TikTok yet either. Yeah, so, no. it's an interesting thought, though. Thank you. Well, you know this. Uh, so, thank you again, and uh, I, um, what a wonderful uh, first uh, episode for me. Um, but uh, this is. On Your Radar, a podcast series produced by Rosecrans with locations in Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Help is just a click away. Visit rosecrans.org or call 888-928-5278 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life is waiting. <laughs>